sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. And yes, folks, welcome to Friday Business Eye. You know, I was actually just sitting here at my desk and I just feel like I haven't got up off this desk since last time I spoke to Simon. It's been a whole week. I think I've just changed my clothes a couple of times. I went for a walk, but it's like Groundhog Day. But we have to be happy as well. So I'm delighted. And I am—I have to say, I'm truly delighted. And I do get to speak to my friend and colleague, Simon, on a weekly basis. How are you, Simon? I'm great. And yeah, I know what you mean, Joe. It feels like we were saying before, it feels like we're the only ones sitting in our car on the on the lay-by, watching everybody going down the motorway. But I think everybody's feeling like that. So it's yeah. a strange time. It's, it's you know, it's Groundhog. It's, it's as I said to you there before the show, I... You know, I feel like I'm in a holding pattern. You know, I feel that, you know, I'm sitting like yourself, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and going to go, okay, there's a bit of a lull. But, yeah. you know, what week are we in? Are we in, you know, the second week of January or the third week? And being honest, I'm, I am finding it difficult. And the reason why we're finding it difficult here is, you know, we have small children. We've got homework, which really takes about three, four hours a day. Uh, the schools have been fantastic and they're very much interacting. But then we got smaller kids as well. We need to mind. You're trying to do work. My wife was trying to work. So it's, you know, I think this this lockdown is going to be a little bit, a little bit harder. But look, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, you know, part of life. Tell us, Simon, who have we got today? Who do we have on today? Well, we have two amazing guests, um, uh, one originally from the States, who's currently here in Ireland, and and somebody I've been following quite a lot on LinkedIn. So first up, we have um, Christian Espinoza. I hope I pronounced that okay, Christian. And so Christian um, is a U.S. Air Force veteran. He's founder and CEO of Alpine Security, which is a cybersecurity engineer, uh, a certified high-performance coach. He's worked as a university professor, network and systems engineer, a white hat hacker, which I have no idea what whether that's good or bad. <laughs> a trainer, a consultant, an entrepreneur in the cybersecurity industry since 1993. And Christian's also a speaker, coach, trainer. And I would imagine from your website, you're very much into motivation and resilience and that. So, so welcome, Christian. It's good to see you. Oh, thank you, Simon. <laughs> and, and second up, we have Brian Kennedy, the guy I've been watching on LinkedIn a lot. And I, I love your post, Brian. So you're a manager and a mentor with 35 years experience leading large teams of people across several industries and jurisdictions to meet their business and personal goals. And you're a dedicated coach, mentor. Brian's also an advocate on well-being, which is right down our street for today. Motivational speaker to corporate wellness programs and the importance of positive mental health in reaching personal and business goals. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun in chat today. It's a serious subject, but I think we'll look at it as lightly and as optimistically as we can. Yeah, you know, it's it's... This week, we're trying to focus on, you know, motivation, you know, how are people motivating their staff, you know, how are we keeping people positive? Um, and, and these are two perfect examples as if of keeping people motivated with the experience that both of you have, um, especially with yourself, Brian, which I know um, you could. You could sit down with Brian over a pint of Guinness and he could tell you some stories of when he <laughs> used to work in the bank and now he's <laughs> retired. But um, tell us, guys, 
how are you finding the last couple of weeks uh, within your own your own lifestyle? Brian, Brian. I reckon, I reckon I'm, I'm going to pick on Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in a completely different space uh, to you, Joe. I don't have young kids, okay? My kids are older. Uh, my wife's working away at home. Um, I stopped full-time working last September. I've set up my, my BJ Kennel Motivation and I'm doing the coaching. Um, uh, I guess for the first time last week, I said to my wife one day, is today Thursday? <laughs> Okay, I really thought it was Wednesday. Complete, never happened to me before in my life, ever. Always knew where I was, but I was, oh my God, I've lost a day. How did how did that happen? Okay, and if that can happen when you're not going at 100 mile an hour, right, or you're trying to homeschool kids and whatever, you can see how this affects absolutely everybody, everybody. And, and I was, I was completely shocked that that could happen to me, to be perfectly honest, because uh, yeah. I'm always very, very much in tune about what's going on. Um, so, yeah, it was just, that was just a bit of a shock. It's funny, it's funny, you know, because we were just saying before that it feels like every day is kind of dribbling into the next day. I, I, I agree. I can't tell whether it's the week. I don't have that weekend feeling. I don't really know whether spring's coming or whether it's late. Or It's just... And it's funny, like in 50 years' time when they write about this period, I wonder what they'll say about us. Well, I wonder if they'll say, God, they were re- unbelievably resilient or whether they'll be saying that they didn't really cope that well. I wonder what they'll say about us in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'm quite the opposite. I came down the other day in my dressing gown, you know, and, and made a cup of coffee and, you know, put on a bacon butty because it, and my wife says, what are you doing? And I says, what do you mean, what are we doing? I says, you're in your dressing gown. I went, well, it's Sunday. And she goes, no, it's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What about yeah. yourself, Christian? Yeah, the last two weeks for me have been uh, pretty challenging, and they, all the days have kind of blurred together. Uh, I, I just sold my company uh, last month, so I'm transitioning my a lot of the responsibility to the company that acquired us. And uh, I have a book launch on Groundhog Day. You mentioned Groundhog Day. So my book is launching on Groundhog Day. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of doing two jobs at once, you know, trying to transition responsibility to the parent company while still being a managing director there, uh, which causes me to shift my hours. So I'm working from like two in the afternoon here, roughly, to like 11 at night, um, you know, on my day job. And then I'm trying to launch my book and work on that in the morning and around uh, you know, other, other schedules such as on the weekend. So, so how, um, but yeah, but a little bit, uh, everything's kind of blurred together recently. Mm. Yeah. So, so motivation, um, we were talking about that before. So how Christian, how would you, given all these different things you're balancing and, and all these internal feelings you have, and nobody knows how long this is going to go on. If you were to describe to an alien, how you stay motivated, how do you stay motivated? Uh, for me, it's, I keep my eye on the outcome I'm trying to achieve. Uh, and I, before I start an endeavor, I, I, I am certain that that's the path I want to go and I'm willing to take the steps necessary because any journey you take or anything difficult you try to accomplish, you're going to have obstacles. And if you don't like think through like your why before uh, you start that journey, then the obstacles are going to you know chip away at your energy and you're not going to have that motivation. So I make sure before I take on Endeavor, that I understand why I'm doing it from an emotional perspective. And, and I think, okay, this is going to be challenging probably at this certain at these areas. 
Am I willing to put the time and effort into it? Well, and what about yourself, Brian? Very, very similar, I have to say. Um, and that's something that I've done recently is to do some volunteering to additionally give something more back. If that was helping people do their CVs or think about um, people that have been long-term unemployed, I've started to kind of help them in that field one day a week. Um, and I suppose my daughter is coming to the end of her university uh, studies. She's waiting for her um, results. And we've been looking at um, what she's written to try to get a job in different places. So I've been trying to kind of help her and mentor in that space. And uh, it, look, you, Joe, you know I'm a runner. You know, I'm still out there treading, treading the road, doing 10 miles a night or five miles a night, or depending on how I do. And that that kind of, if I feel down, I'll lace up my runners and I'll go for a run. And I listen to some positive podcasts, you know. Um, I don't listen. I listen to the news once once a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the numbers of people with COVID or whatever it is, but I don't dwell on it. You know, I just listen to it once to keep myself, and then I go off. off and I either listen to music. But I keep, I keep, I try and keep as much positivity as I can uh, in my day to day. Brian, it's interesting there when you said about your daughter and you know helping them, you know people with CVs and everything, and it, it's it's something which is is popping up now internship you know internship people go to offices and it's to learn that environment or to be to upskill and especially with new people now who have left you know they're leaving cert and looking for jobs it's going to be a really strange marketplace because they're not going into offices they're not going to go oh you can work from home because they don't know what to do you know (laughs) It's yeah. it's this this whole thing is it's like we were talking uh, Simon before. It's like there's a holding pattern here, waiting. It's like you know the Air Force, um, Christian. That you know the plane. You're waiting for the signal to get up before you take that uh, take that plane yeah. off. I think that's what it is. Is for the people who have just left school. I know one chap Joe who's six months in a job, and hasn't physically met anybody yet. They've had a few Zoom calls. His manager tells him what he's supposed to do. They send him emails about, you know, process maps and things like that, but actually hasn't met anybody. And that's a first, I think, that you can say. And that's what most people, most people are in that situation now. They're starting new jobs. And that's it's very a, difficult. It's a real, it's a real thing around well-being, isn't it? Because like, I mean, there's this whole thing of mentoring and how do organizations I mean, organizations mentor young people, guys with white hair like me or women like white hair like me, we're around to mentor young people, right? But we're not there. And then and then also how do organizations retain their their cohesiveness? So and that feeds into the well-being, right? I mean, how, how do the emotional well-being of people, like how is this gonna pan? How do you think this is panning out? How are people meant? to feel, feel, feel well during this period? What, what do you think, Christian? How do people cope during this period? Well, I think one of the, we're talking about a holding pattern, right? Uh, you know, we could be in the same scenario like a year from now. So I think we need to kind of come to terms like this just may be the way it is for some time and we don't know when the end of it is. Uh, for my organization, one of the things we've done to sort of like, because we've all worked remotely for five years. So we have implemented things like a, a virtual coffee you know, hour where people show up. You don't have to show up. It's um, optional, but people just show up and, and chat about things that are not work-related. So sort of build so, some cohesion and some rapport 
and get uh, my teammates to know each other in, in a, you know, it's not a work environment. It is over Zoom. So it's not the same as in person. Uh, you know, we would do it in person, obviously, if uh, COVID wasn't here. But that's one thing we've done to sort of facilitate uh, some, you know, internal um, interactions with the team. It's, you know, it's, it's a great idea, you know, the holding, you know, that, as you say, the holding pattern and it's having that coffee morning. So our companies out there, are they using these opportunities to actually speak to their staff? outside work and ask them what the relationship or is everyone just trying to squeeze an eight day into a four day or a, or a four hour or a three hour get everything done so they can get away from this this environment and just get back to being bored i i did a talk a while ago joe just to give you a, a, an idea um and in my talk i threw out some statistical information from bernardo's where they spoke about if you're working from home now and you're struggling and you think you're a bad parent and your kids are running riot and you you, you feel bad because you can't give them the time um, to homeschool and you're beating yourself up, well, hey, surprise, surprise, you're not alone. There was there was statistical information. I don't have it here beside me, but um, that was able that I was able to validate to some people that it's not just you everybody is struggling that has kids at this stage and and i got a i got a, a communication afterwards from a lady who was at that talk and she was a single mother and she said i want to say thank you very much i felt somebody spoke up for me because she was in an organization where she was still expected to do the numbers within nine to five nobody had taken account that she had a two-year-old that needed to be looked after that wasn't in the crash anymore okay and no matter what she said to her leader she wasn't getting the assistance or the the um the help not that she wanted to do less work but she wanted to be able to say well you know what if i can't get it done between nine and five i might be able to log on when the baby goes to bed at eight o'clock and i'll get the rest of the work done so some companies are not actually yet in that space to allow people to um, to work that differently. Now, that could be the organization or it could be the individual manager. It's hard to say, but I, there's definitely some places doing better than others. I, I agree because I think, and we spoke about this before, Simon, on previous shows, that what it used to take us to do in a day can now take us two days to do because we're fumbling around and we're learning on it. But being honest, uh, as I always am, I fear that, are we starting to come omnibots, you know, cyborgs? Are we just, you know, <laughs> sitting in these glass rooms and typing and looking at these screens? Yeah. And, and that's it. Like, that personal touch and that energy that we have do you know that energy that flows through us all as electrical mm. energy mm. for when we're meeting other people, that unwritten war, that 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 sense, we're, that's not there anymore. That's not there yeah. anymore. It, it, you're, you're so right. I mean, like, it, it's, it reminds me of that scene from The Martian where Matt Damon's on Mars by himself. It mm. feels like that, like we're all in these old little pods. And, but it's really visceral. Like this morning, I won't mention, I will not mention names, but I was talking to a, an HR director at a reputable company here, and and she was she was dealing with some serious issues, and and I and and I got to a point, and she's a lot of stress, and it's all remote stuff, 
And I said, don't worry, you know, you're not alone. I've been through the similar thing. And she broke down, like she broke down in yeah. tears on the phone. And, and, and yet she's not seemingly getting that support within her own business, you know, that emotional, not being noticed to that extent. Right. And so my question is, how do bosses and managers, what do they need to do to notice the suffering that people are going to? What, what do they need to do? Because we're all suffering. What are they missing? What do they need to do? I mean, Christian, how would you, how would you talk to senior directors and managers and say, really take notice? I think the first thing is uh, an awareness. We tend to look at the world through our own perspective. Uh, like my partner here has three kids. And like Brian said, uh, she's trying to work, but the, the kids are at home now. So it's, it's, it's a lot different scenario for her. Uh, and her, you know, she's trying to, to manage her time when she's trying to homeschool kids versus, you know, a single individual. So we try to, most people try to just apply a blanket statement to, or philosophy to the remote workforce where everyone has different constraints. And like with COVID, this is affecting everyone a little bit differently. So I think the awareness that, uh, you know, the single mother scenario or somebody taking care of somebody that's sick, you know, they have more responsibilities than just the job. And then it's not like they don't want to work, but their workflow has been interrupted. So you need to have some uh, flexibility on allowing them to work around, you know, what they're dealing with at home, because it's not like they can go to the office and there's other people taking care of their children, their children are at school mm -hmm. anymore. Things have shifted. So we need to, the leaders need to shift as well with the yeah. changes. We can't hold on to the old paradigm um, yeah. when, when the world has shifted. Yeah. And, Brian. The, and the leaders, um, I'm not sure whether it was Oracle or PwC that did a recent survey, but I know that 70% of CEOs said that 2020 was the most difficult year that they've managed in. Okay. And 60, I think it was 60, 60% 60 of them then said that they had struggled with their mental health. Now, if you have the C level executives in an organization struggling like that, it, the people in the coalface down in the trenches, okay, um, where things are not going right for customers and they're taking it in the neck 10 times a day, are are getting that by five, okay? Now, that's where the organizations, in my view, need to change. If you're still, if you're still managing your people today the way you were before COVID-19, I can guarantee that you're going to have a problem. If your wellness program that you've set up, which is normally around, we'll say, trying to take, try to uh, train people about resilience, um, the usual uh, managing change, stress. Okay, if if that's the the same as it was before COVID, that it was just something that they put up online, and if you're feeling bad, go in and click on that, and you know, uh, they're definitely definitely heading for a, a huge a huge problem by the end of the year which you know it brings up a question are we are we judging people more quickly like if we're with ourselves like we're where we're interacting and, and we're speaking to other companies especially if you're buying stuff online with organizations and if mm -hmm. the customer service isn't up to scratch or we're you know have we are we judging more are we you know are we starting to complain a little bit more because companies are a lot slower getting back to us even though we know it takes personally ourselves we know it takes longer to to get work done and the skill sets that we as you said brian the skill sets we used to have what are the new skill sets 
that people need to have and what will colleges need to teach moving forward for being honest it's a new world we will never go back to the way it was Mm. because we've all even if we've all been scarred if what's happened over the last two years what is the new education the new way moving forward do you mean for leaders or do you, leaders, leaders, yeah, executives are are just workers as a you know. leaders, leaders and executives? Yeah. I'll put that up to both of you. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, leaders and executives need to, you know, and I write about this in my book. I have seven steps in there where I talk about awareness. So you have to have your self awareness, awareness of uh, your employees and what they're dealing with, you know, their perspective, their model of the world, because everyone looks at things a little bit differently. Uh, and, you know, another key thing is empathy. Uh, we're, we're, we're all connected at a human level and we all share struggles, but we seem to focus only on the differences, you know, and that's partly because the media and the news and everything else. But at a, at a, at a human level, we, we all have the same struggles and we all want to be appreciated and understood and do a great job. Uh, and we want to, you know, show that we're valuable and can impact our organization. So if leaders, you know, can look at their personnel from through the lens of uh, some empathy and awareness that, you know, they may have a different struggle, uh, then I think that that would go a long way, as well as communication. Well, communication is is one of the um, fundamental things that from uh, from a society and from a leadership, especially in my uh, career field, which is cybersecurity, uh, communication is often like the last thing considered. But when you're working remotely, uh, it's much more challenging because you can't, like like Joe said, you can't feel the energy or the vibe from the room. So uh, having better communication skills is extremely important. And I'm a believer in that uh, the, meaning of, the meaning of communication is response you get. So that puts ownership on you as a leader. So if you're communicating to your team something and they're not understanding it, they're not getting it, they're not doing it, they're going in a different direction than you suggested, then that is uh, your responsibility to change how you're communicating to them. Yeah, yeah. And Christian, would you say um, you need to have a couple of different ways to communicate or do you just need to make sure that your communication is understood by the people? Because you you hear people talking about, oh, uh, Brian's a leader and he's great and he knows how to talk to Mary and Johnny and Paddy because they've all got different types of personalities, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't, as a as a as a good leader, I should be able to communicate with these people using my personality and a good way of dealing with people to deliver the same message, but to make sure that they understand what's actually being told. Would you would you agree with that as opposed to kind of giving the same message ten different ways? Uh, I, I agree with that to some de- degree. Uh, the challenge is. Um... From an awareness perspective, everyone is is looking at the world through their their own lens. So when you communicate the same thing to two different people, it's going to be received differently. Differently. Uh, so not to not to say it won't be received and understood, but you just have to remember and take a step back. Like, you know, if I communicate this to Sally, but she's looking at the world through you know through a fear based lens, and I communicate it to Bob, and Bob is looking at the world through an abundance based lens then the same message is going to be received drastically differently. Yeah, 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 
Yeah, so to try and make sure that they understand that. And then, um, Joe, to you and Simon, I would say um, you have all these different um, um, millennials. Uh, what am I, a Gen X now, I think, is what some, or a boomer, I think, is what people would tell me I am, okay? You have <laughs> Gen X and you have Gen Y, okay? And and all what I found in the last five years was I was beginning to try to kind of figure out who was who. Because depending on who was who would determine how I felt that they would react when I was doing, you know, a progressive one-to-one with them, okay? And they came to the business with different perspective. They expected different things from the business in their, because of their age and because of the different, you know, whatever, like a, a Gen X, per, a Gen Y person will come and expect an awful lot more, I believe, from the organization that they're going to work from and actually won't be afraid to tell a manager, hey, you know what, I think you're bad at your job. Uh, which is a big, which would be a huge shock to somebody of my vintage if somebody said that to me. But hey, you'd have to be open to take the feedback. So, it, to, to me, Brian, yeah. I, I understand, and you're right there because you know the younger generation want purpose. Where we we grew up materialistic and wanted money, you know. Yeah. And there is the the biggest question that everybody asks is what is my purpose? So the different. Yeah. I've said this hundreds of times before. We're we're okay because we all grew up being bored. We couldn't switch a TV until six o'clock in the evening. The national anthem played at night, and we slept for eight hours. Now it's on all the time. So, yeah. so Saturdays we were bored over being instant gratification didn't exist. Natural law was everything took time. Okay. Mm. What do the people want now? Or how do we communicate with people? And we're just going to take a quick ad break, but I just want to leave this with you, right? If you really un- want to understand other people, and Christian, just as with you in your book as well, mm-hmm. understand yourself first. And that is the secret to success of dealing mm-hmm. with other people. Come take a quick break. Broadcasting from the Dundrum Town Centre, this is Dublin South FM. You're listening to Business Eye, sponsored by your local enterprise office in Dunleary Ratdown. Together, we're making it happen. Welcome back to Business Eye. It's Friday, as we were saying. We're having a, a good conversation about, um, you know, the emotions that are going through people within the workplace. I believe the new skills that are set upon. But, you know, before the break, I said to the guys that, you know, you really got to know yourself or understand mm-hmm. yourself before you get to really know other people. Um, and they all agreed. And I'd, I'd like, to, you know, maybe Christian to open up. And, and what are your thoughts about this? I think that's spot on, Joe. In my book and through my experience, I talk a lot about awareness and you have to have the self-awareness before you can be aware of anyone else or what they're doing. And I also talk about acknowledgement. I think acknowledgement is extremely important as a leader. And it has to start with self-acknowledgement. And, and I used to be uh, guilty of not ever acknowledging myself. I, I would never like pat myself on the back and just be on to the next thing. So I never like took a step back and thought, you know what? I actually accomplished a lot of things and like gave myself some acknowledgement or appreciation but if you can't do that for yourself you're going to have a hard time recognizing it for people that work with you Uh, so i think it's important to have the self-awareness and the self-acknowledgement yeah absolutely 
Simon, to you, Landar. Uh, absolutely, and 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 the, and what I, the way I'd like to pivot this a bit. Uh, we mentioned it during the break was about sensitivity, um, and so you know the whole the, the whole the old way of working, the very male, macho, egotistical, hierarchical way of working. Let's face it: over the last year, we've been in this circuit breaker, and the whole world has witnessed mainly middle-aged or old male politicians getting it wrong and younger female politicians getting it right. We've also witnessed that, you know, it, you know those companies who are much more uh, balanced around reputation and risk and not just revenue are doing well in the stock market. So it's clear, right? It's empirically proven now that if you're more sensitive and aware and, and situationally aware and, and, and emotionally smart, you're not. You're going to succeed, and if you're not, you're going to fall behind. So, the question I would have is: To what extent do you do you think businesses will really pick up on this, or do you think some of them will, will revert back to type after this? I think um, if I can jump in there, I yeah. think I think what you find now is more and more companies coming out uh, explaining what their purpose is. Okay, you, you never you never really heard. I never really heard people talk. They talked about values, but they never really talked about their purpose. Okay, um, but now they talk about their purpose and their values and the challenges that they're going to have in the next two years. For me personally, is that when they go and hire people and they put something in job description and they say what the company stands for, okay, and the person goes into that job and suddenly they find out that they look at the leaders and the leaders are not walking the talk. And the values are not really the values of the company that it's all lip service, he will leave. Okay. And and you can put as many wellness programs together as you like. Okay. You can review your wellness programs and your data around, you know, your satisfaction your satisfaction surveys and put a plan in place. But unless you actually educate the leaders, Simon, as you said, to be sensitive, to be more empathetic with people. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't talk to somebody about a, a lack of performance, but you do it in a way you can explain it. And I don't mean this, you know, you know the old, um, uh, and Christian probably knows this as well as, as a CEO, the old, um, you bring someone into a room and you give them the SH1T sandwich and, you know, you, you want to give them a little bit of positive, positive, but everybody knows there's a big but coming at the end of it. You can't. You know, if you're going to give somebody five negative things, you can't just give them one positive thing, right? Um, so to me, it's fine-tuning all that training that we would have got years ago going forward to make sure that the managers are actually dealing with people correctly. And if that means that you're struggling and you're a, a father or a husband or a wife or somebody and you've got a two-year-old kid at home, I, as a leader, should know you have a two-year-old kid at home and I give you a break because that kid needs to be looked after. The numbers suffer, right? Because, yeah. look, you, you know, you can have a leader. I think I remember reading something before that you can have leaders that get to be leaders because of results, okay? Uh, they, they hit everything on the nail. They You know, the numbers are fantastic. Um, they become a leader because people see them, uh, they follow them. They believe that, oh, yeah, I think he's a good guy or a good woman. I'll go and follow her. But actually, it's the person who can be both of that and people admire. Yeah. Okay. It's the person who, who, who will make a really good leader because they are empathetic, sympathetic, 
understand what's going on and people can come and talk to them and tell them, you know what, I'm struggling, I need a break here. So I think the purpose, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Jeff. So go on, question, go on. Oh, I think uh, what Brian said about purpose uh, for the organization and, and the organization's reason for being is extremely important because in my organization, uh, I used to hire people based on their technical skills, like above all. And then I shifted my hiring process to look at people that were aligned with our purpose and our core values and our mission before I even considered their technical skills. So that really uh, reduced the friction and reduced problems with people in my organization. And the other like shift I think a lot of leaders need to have is you, the way you, you treat your employees matters. Uh, and it matters more than anything else. Uh, there's always a lot of, you know, focus on clients and customers. Uh, you know, co many companies will say we're customer focused, but they ignore the employees. Uh, you need to be employee focused because if your employees feel appreciated, they're happy, their environment's uh, thriving, uh, they they're, they're enjoy going to work, they're going to treat the customers better anyway. So mm -hmm. the paradigm needs to shift from customer focused to know, employee or team focused. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are we now in a generation of soft skills? Are we in that sort of generation where, and like you said, you know, the fittest survived, you know, the best of the best of all those movies that we watched of Wall Street and, you know, the trunging up the hill, have they all kind of now put the brake put on them and it's soft skills? And another part as well, which it's just triggering with me, is strengths and weaknesses. You know, mm. when we've all learned all our life to build on our strengths and not focus on our weaknesses, what if your strengths are of the old way and you can't cope, or a manager, an executive can't cope in this new way because they're weaknesses? Are we turning everything up on, you know, up on a dime? I think, I think we are. Uh, soft skills, to me, uh, or people skills, are actually more difficult to learn than hard skills or technical skills in my industry. And one of the things we have to look at with a lot of technical jobs, since I work in cybersecurity, is there's artificial intelligence. And if you only have technical skills and you can do pro procedural work technically, there's a high chance that your job will be outsourced in the future to AI. Whereas if you have the soft skills and the empathy, and you can communicate with people, you can understand where they're coming from, look at their perspective, build a connection, build rapport, that, that, that's gonna be much more valuable in the future. Yeah, I might turn it, I might turn it a little bit and then send direct it to, to Brian. So I, I've been involved in some stuff in the States and instead of calling it soft skills, we're calling it power skills, right? So mm. imagine, imagine, right? Imagine a world where things like diversity and gender balance, empathetic communications, remote cohesive management and trust-based cultural cohesion actually increased brand equity and profitability. Imagine if you could prove they did. Would I would imagine companies would jump on this, right? So it just needs to be deterred. What do you think about that, Brian? It's a mindset flip. Yeah, and, and look, I've, I've, uh, I haven't worked in America, but I've managed eight European countries for a European for an American company, and I've seen the different cultures and the way the way the different cultures work. Um, I I think the soft skills are the most important, um, the most important thing going forward. I think when people are trying to hire even graduates now, 
they're looking at the soft skills that the graduates can bring to the office. As Christian said, um, you're looking for somebody with the tech skills. Yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing is, okay, well, you know, um, are they going to fit into the team? You know, can they communicate? Now, they're not new things, by the way, Simon, you know that. We would have interviewed people for that years ago, and you'd kind of go, okay, if somebody came in there, they were so... um, if they were so much of a bookworm, uh, God loved the person, they probably didn't get the job because the person said, well, they're just going to come in and sit in the corner and they won't talk to anybody and they'd be no good, which is not the right thing to do. So I think I think the soft skills now are coming more and more into play. But you can't forget the results-based thing because if you don't get the results, then, you know, obviously. But I think customers will... What was I going to say? What, trying to say this, Cust- people, co- companies will tell you that they have the customers at the heart of everything that they do. Okay, and what Christian said there is exactly right. You have to point, try now and put in. You know what? The employees are also now at the heart of everything that we do. There was a survey done a while ago again about AI. Christian, you might have seen it. I don't know, but I think it was ninety percent of employees said with regard to stress. They would rather talk to a bot about stress, mm. <laughs> right, than their than their manager. And and I think that that's that's just like very sad. That's very sad to hear. But I, you know, I think my wife struggling. would rather talk to a bot <laughs> than me half the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, um, yeah. you know, soft skills. You used to me in the old days. You would go into a room. You would be. Uh, you would receive some training about the culture of the organization, what was expected of you, how they wanted you to interact with people. They would tell you about the computer system. They would tell you about the different areas of the bank. There's very, very little of that going on today. And what I would say is in the future, I would see more of that with the use of AI will be done because PwC again did some kind of a survey a while ago that said people would if you train somebody using AI, they'd be four times more productive than they would be if they were trained in a room with a with a with a human. And by the way, you get more of a return on your investment as an organization. And 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 I and I kind of struggle with with some of those some of those reports that come out. You know, here's something I just want to throw out. Some people were going into the workplace and they were interacting with toxicity a bully someone you know we've all i've been there when i've in the past when i've gone into an office and i've nearly vomited before i've gone in because of the the you know someone in a higher level who was who was toxic okay um and i so i can relate to that you know this was a a very long time ago so young people are, that were going in are people in their 40s or 50s even now today who were going into an office that had this environment. This must, what's going on at the moment that everyone is working in a bubble, that must be a relief to them that they're not interacting with those toxic people within the organization as well. Would you agree with me on that or disagree? Uh, I think they're still interacting with the people. It's just like this, right, through a, yeah. a Zoom session. Uh, and the energy, you know, is different because you're not around that person at the office. So you may not feel the the toxic culture as much, but uh, you still have to deal with it in some capacity. 
Uh, and that that's something that, like in my industry, uh, it's almost tolerated. These, uh, uh, I, like, I like to say, kiss up and kick down leaders. Um, it's almost tolerated because there's this notion that if you have a high IQ, it's acceptable to have a low EQ or you know poor people skills. And, and I think there needs to be a shift uh, because toxic cultures are because of leadership and senior leadership. Mm. It all starts at the top. Mm. So the leaders have to be aware and be willing to train the person that's a bully or terminate them and get rid of them, basically. What, what, what about introverts? Is this easier? Because I've spoken to a few and they're saying it, it seems less of a gut-wrenching thing to have to deal with uh, yeah. bosses or, or stakeholders on a laptop than it does to actually meet them face-to-face. So it seems to suit introverts. Well, Brian, you're, you seem to be agreeing. The big, the big worry, I think, for a lot of companies going forward is that the more they do remote working, the more introverts are going to apply for the jobs. <laughs> and they're going to end up with a whole pile of introverts that don't want to talk to anybody. And when they go on a Zoom call like this, you won't see their picture because they won't turn their camera on, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that look, that's a worry. But I agree with Christian. I think that um, the, people are still interacting with these bullies. I think that there are still bullies out there that are giving people a very tough time. I think that um, the people who those bullies report to as you go further up the line uh, know that those people are being bullies, but because they're producing results, they turn a blind eye to it. Mm. And I think, again, until everybody has the confidence to, number one, call that out, and number two, in the... um, employee survey that's done that they put their anecdotal information in nothing's going to be done about so 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 do you think the bosses and leaders need to be more assertive so assertive is passive there's aggressive and there's assertive and assertive is saying you what you want in a way that's respectful of of others is what you're saying that leaders need to be more assertive to those toxic people what what do you think what do you think christian i think they need to have the awareness that most of the the bullies uh, are probably uh, insecure in some form and it's manifesting through bullying and they've probably been bullied before. So if you have some awareness of of that person's model of the world, it it makes you more equipped to have a conversation with them versus just approaching it like uh, from an aggressive perspective, like I'm going to confront the bully by being a bully myself. You know, that, 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 that doesn't really help. Yeah. So, but, being able to understand where they're coming from, not not that it's justified where they're coming from, but you know, the understanding is important so you can approach it uh, from a perspective of, of being able to help the situation or move them forward. And yeah. if they're unable to move forward, though, as a leader, uh, and I struggle with this as well because I like to believe in ownership, and part of ownership is being able to solve problems for me. And if I have a toxic person that I am trying to coach or mentor to become and I've had this happen in the past to become less toxic. Um, part of the ownership is on them as well. Mm. So we can approach them and try to shift them uh, from being a bully. But at some point, if they're not moving they're, or they're not willing to, we have to let, let them go as soon as possible. Mm. I yeah. think there's a, I think Simon, I think there's a difference. Um, and we have to be careful in a relationship that is broken down between a person and their, and their line manager and a bully. 
Okay, mm. so a person whose relationship has completely broken down because every time they talk to their manager, they're getting negative feedback. They're constantly being told you did this wrong, you did this wrong, and and they're not being told anything about the fantastic things that they've done. And let's face it, nobody goes to work to do a bad job, right? Mm. Okay, so there's a difference, and you can actually turn around and sit down and say, okay, um. I need to sit down with Joe and have a chat with Joe about our interactions and an honest to God, face to face. Listen, this is how I'm feeling. Every time I talk to you, you tell me a negative thing. Um, it's a bit like if you go and talk to your child and you know you want to say something and the child goes, don't, don't stop that. Don't, don't tell me that now. Uh, right. Because they feel that there's that negative you're just going to be negative, right? Yeah. So you can work on that and you can fix that and you don't have to sit in the car park wondering will you go into work that day because of the environment. You can try and do something. But the bully, on the other hand, is the person who doesn't listen, okay? Makes life hell for the person who's not empathetic, uh, uh, empathetic or sympathetic at all and just wants to know about the numbers. And, and usually you will find that there'll be a high turnover of staff in those in those areas of the business There'll be a high level of sickness. And look, we all know if you're going to go out of work sick, you're going to tell the doctor, don't put stress on my on my um, my sick thingy. Right. And mm. therefore, now it's probably a little bit more difficult under GDPR for the organization to identify. Well, actually, do we have a toxic environment? Is it because people is everybody's yeah, out with stress? How are we going to address it? You know? Yeah, it's not putting down stress. Could you put COVID on that, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had COVID ten times this year. Yeah, two weeks yeah. 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 I just, I just had a sense. Imagine if we could time capsule this conversation, right? And if we could listen to this in twenty years' time, I wonder how far away from where we're going to pan out we are. I don't. It'd be interesting to time. You know what I mean? It'd be very interesting to see how this pans out. Um, we'll, we'll put this on a CD and we'll bury it in the time capsule <laughs> at the back. Put of it the in your back garden, <laughs> Lads, we've we've got about we've got about five minutes left, and you know the one I want just I want to just ask uh, our two guests um, one question: How? What advice can you give people at the moment so they can feel emotionally involved in their company and? you know, being less stressed with, with everyone in the organization as well? Uh, the advice I would give uh, is to make sure someone understands their why. Like there's an exercise called the seven levels deep exercise that really gets down to like why you want to do something. And and one of the biggest things I've encountered, and, and this is because of my industry, in cybersecurity, a lot of people get into the career field career field for money and stability but they're really not aligned with it. So they're constantly frustrated. Uh, and this is where aligning with what you wanna do in life or what you you know feel like it's your purpose to your organization uh, would, would help you immensely uh, through your career. So I think taking that step back uh, and figuring out you know, what do, from an emotional standpoint, your why should be emotional, not just intellectual. You know, what do I really wanna do in my life and what do I, connect with and then find an employer or an organization that is in alignment with you. Mm. Right. I, I, I 100% agree, Joe. And I also think that people should think a little bit deeper about the outcome of what they do in the company. Okay. Mm. So for me, if I, if I issued a billion last year in lending in mortgages, 
in the institution I worked for. Okay, mm. I would have to say, do you know what? If that was two hundred thousand mortgages, I have allowed families to buy their dream home, to build dreams for their families for the future. Right? I'm doing more than just giving somebody a mortgage. I'm re- helping them realize their dream to be able to move into the next 20 years. Um, and when I sit down and I and I realize that, it makes me a lot happier about my purpose and the reason why I'm working in the company and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I try to get that across to the people who are working in the teams as well. Brian, if someone wants to reach out to you, where can they connect? Me, you get me on LinkedIn um, or you can have a look at my bjkenomotivation.com. Christian, yourself? Yeah, my website, uh, christianespinoza.com, or I'm on most of the main social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those. And when's your book out? February 2nd, Groundhog Day. (laughs) Let us us know on that. Let us know. Will do. Thank you. Simon, what's the plans for the weekend in your 5K radius? Uh, (laughs) Walk in the 5K radius and... uh, just take it easy. And uh, one thing I just wanted to add was that, you know, we come into the world by ourselves. We go out by ourselves. So for me, kind of my purpose is, is to is to learn what I can and share it and help as, yes, I'll earn money to it, but help as many people as I can before I leave this world. And I've only just figured that out at the age of 53. So if you think you're alone in this world, you're not. We're here to help each other. And, and you can make money by doing that, but in a good, genuine way. So I'll, that's how I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's when you realize that you do it to honestly help and you're not doing it for a book. Yep. You know? And we have to be smart as well that you're not helping everybody and not getting a book either. Yeah. And, and the real thing is it's not helping people that don't want to be helped because mm-hmm. that's where you're wasting your time on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, on that note, guys, I want to say thank you to our guests and again to my co-host, Simon. Uh, a great chat this week, guys. Um, filled me up with actually just nice to be talking to people. Yeah. I can say, let's call ourselves the four wise men. There we go. There we go. You know, I'll be the odd one now because I don't have grey hair. Yet. That's it on it. Thank you, folks. So listen, I hope everyone does have a safe weekend. I hope that you are good to yourselves it's very important to be kind to yourself and kind to others so until next week have a super weekend and i think myself and simon we're going to talk about lockdown next week and how that is affecting small businesses until then take care and god bless